Hello and welcome to Error 204, a podcast where we discuss theology from a Reformed perspective and genuinely nerdy things where there's no content that you won't love. I'm Luke Denner. And I'm Mark Fromey. Today we are going to be diving into worship music and in the words of Jesse Knopp on one of our previous posts in the Facebook group, worship music culture versus scriptural accuracy. And just kind of how um, a lot more emotion tends to go into songs, which is partly because it's an emotional outlet, but how there needs to be some concern for scriptural and theological accuracy within those as well. And then we're going to jump into our nerdy topic of the Avengers versus the Justice League. Although I think it should be the Defenders versus the Justice League, because I think that Luke Cage and Jessica Jones can take on the world. All you got to do, you give them Daredevil and you give them Logan and they got it. So we're just going to kick out Daredevil. Wait, you're wait, throwing Logan into it now? <laughs> yeah, you kick out Daredevil and Iron Fist, because they're pansies anyway, and we give them, we give them Wolverine. All right, all right, all right. We'll have to, we're going to have Deadpool. to break this whole messed up situation down later. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do that, and I'll show you why your, your Justice League sucks. Not really, I like the Justice League. Anyway, with all that, let's go ahead and jump into weeks before I digress too far. So Mark, how's your week been? My week's been good, man. Um, so, oh man, I'm trying to think of what all has happened. Well, we, I already talked last time about how we had visited you guys. That's right. Um, yeah, Dang there's not straight, as much time. not forget it. Not as much time has gone between, um, recording since we recorded late last week. Yeah, it's um, been a little shorter. Although we were, create, we're recording late this week too. Yeah, we are a little bit. Um, no, we did, uh. Can you it's tell we're on top of things, like, people? Oh yeah, we're we're rolling well. Well, so it's been interesting with Lindsay's pregnancy. Um, kept us really busy, and um, she's kind of on like a soft bed rest right now. So I'm doing a lot of extra stuff and making like I cook dinner tonight, and I've got laundry running and all those kinds of things. And so um, it's been kind of tiring for me. I'm happy to do it. Like it's it's good, and I'm glad she's resting. She hates it. Um, she doesn't like sitting around and not doing much, but, uh, no, I've, I've stayed busy. It's been like nice weather up here. It's kind of weird. I mean, it started raining today, but over the weekend it was like low forties all weekend and not really rainy or anything. So it was kind of cool. It's supposed to snow again tomorrow though. So, um, that's going to kind of go away, but yeah, man, there's, it was kind of a uneventful week other than Lindsay just resting. And I introduced her to uh, the Truman show the other night. We watched that movie. Have you seen the Truman show? No, Ashley hates it. Ashley hates so, it. Yeah. She thought it was stupid. See, so Lindsay got mad, was mad at it. Like acknowledged it was a good movie, but it's frustrating just because like, it's basically the cave story. Uh, like Plato's cave story. You're a cave um, story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, a little early for that. Yeah, a little bit. Um, no, so it's it's a kind of play on on Plato's cave story, and Jim Carrey plays a character whose whole life like is when a you TV build a cave show. out of Plato. Yeah, that's what I mean. Did you ever eat Plato as a kid? Did I ever eat Plato as a kid? Probably. Ah, uh, yes, I did. Okay, it's so salty. Anyway, Plato's cave story. <laughs> It is. Uh, no, so it's like he's Jim Carrey's character. Truman is like trapped in a or he's. Are his you whole explaining this for a, me or for the audience? Both. 
Okay, because I'm familiar. Go ahead. Oh, you're familiar with it? Yeah. So yeah, he's he's trapped he's trapped in the um TV show set essentially, and that's been his whole life. So he doesn't know anything else. So it's Bolt. It's what? Bolt. You know, Miley Cyrus, Bullet Dog, Bolt animated movie. Put a pin in that. Oh, I actually do know what that is. I never saw it, but I do know what Bolt is. Yeah, the dog is trapped in the TV set. That's his whole life. Anyway. Yeah. And he thinks he's a superhero. Yeah. Because that's that's his perception. The, like, perception is reality kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So, like, I find it super interesting from that perspective. And, like, Lindsay did too. But at the same time, Lindsay was just mad that his whole life was a show. And nobody actually cared about or thought about his feelings. So, you know. Gotcha. You um, know, it's a horrifying thought for all you listeners. Is that this podcast was what you were stuck in for your entire life. Oh, man. I would, would be, be terrified terrible. of that. I would, I would hate it. Same. I don't want to spend that much time with you. I don't want to spend that much time with either of us. <laughs> and I live with me. <laughs> That's true. I feel so bad for your wife. I know, you should. Oh. God bless her. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so, so that was your week. <laughs> it was good. It was good. Um, you know, it was... It's actually a pretty eventful week for me, so kind of flip side of yours. It um, was very eventful for you. So I had a, a job interview, went in and, and interviewed for it, and just walked away feeling extremely underqualified. Like, like my thoughts at the end were, okay, I'm sure these people liked me as a person because I did really well on the personality side of the interview. But the technical side, I was just thinking, man, I I did not know about half of what this job requires because it, it's a kind of a step up from where now, like in MOBAP, we were both tier one support. And so I would still be a, a tier one support. It's, it's a more of a step up into that tier two type role and more administrative than I'm used to. And so just felt ridiculously underqualified for it. And I ended up getting the call back the next day saying they wanted me for the job. So I have a new job. Um, so yeah, that's that's exciting. Really, really nice with a baby on the way to get a, a full-time, decent-paying job to help out with that because yeah. diapers ain't cheap, yo. So, um, yeah, and it'll also free Ashley up when the baby comes so she won't have to work, which will be nice to, yeah, to have her stay nice. home with the baby. So, you know, God's good, and he provides, and grateful for that. And so while it may not be the, the Michigan scenario you and I were hoping for, it's... <laughs> At least better yeah. than where I'm at now, and who knows? Down the road, Michigan may work out. We'll see what happens with that. But yeah, who knows? But yeah, so that was that was the big part. Oh, the other thing that happened this week, I forgot about that. Or no, I talked about that because we recorded on Wednesday. Did I talked about Ashley. Yeah, I talked about her spinning the car out. Yeah, you talked about that. Yeah, so got most of that fixed up over the week and weekend, and it's nice. A functioning. Well, I mean, it was always a functioning car, but you know, got the got the new bumper on and. It's black, so it matches my white car perfectly. Um, <laughs> so, you know, but it, it runs well and it looks better and, and should pass inspection now, which is good. So at least I'm hoping. So I had to kind of redneck the bumper on there because there was some mangled up stuff. So we'll see how that gotcha. goes. It's, it's not the actual bumper. It's the bumper cover, so I think it'll be okay. The actual yeah. bumper was still there. It's just the cover. But anyways, yeah, that, was, bad, then. that was fun. Um, felt felt accomplished after getting that done, so that was that was exciting. Got the the new wheel on, got the bumper on, worked way more on cars this weekend than I cared to because yesterday, which was Sunday as of this recording, um, 
my mom called me and she was in town and her car had started smoking and out of the wheel, one of the wheels. And so I drove into town to pick her up and my pastor and I ended up like taking the wheel off and pushing the calipers back in. It looks like the calipers probably just need replaced. But so between working on my car and then working on hers last night, it's like, okay, I've done enough car stuff for, for a good while now. Cause like I can work on cars, but it's not something I enjoy. By any oh, means. I hate working on cars, and I know very little about cars anyway. So, yeah, I only know enough to be dangerous. I'm like that guy that that we dislike in IT, who's like, "Hey, I left the CPU sitting on the desk for you," and we're like, "Cool," because we know they meant the hard drive, or not the hard yeah. drive, the uh, tower. And so, I'm I'm like at that level of of gotcha. car knowledge where it's just enough to be dangerous. So, but see, I had. I had to replace, or ended up having to get my wife's car's battery replaced um, on Saturday. Don't know how, I don't even know how old the battery was. Like, um, So I was able to get it jumped and drove it down to like AutoZone and was like, hey. They replace it need... for free for you, don't they, if you buy it there? Yeah, they do. If you get it there, they'll replace it and they'll test it, they'll test it too just to make sure that it is actually bad. And so the guy walked out there with the tester, and he looks at it, and he goes, before he even hooked it up, I popped the hood, and he goes, yeah, this is a bad battery. He was like, this looks super old. I was like, oh, okay. Well, gotcha. can I get it replaced? <laughs> so yeah. I, I hate being that guy, like, at a mechanic, though, where I'm like, it's not that I don't, like, I'm not trying to neglect my cars. I just don't know enough about cars to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, but for sure. He, it got replaced, and... Lindsay's car is all good now, so sweet. Hey, that's great because I remember when you emailed me about that or messaged me about that. I was saying it's either that or the starter, and so much better to have the battery than the yeah, starter was, be your issue. Was glad it was the battery. So, so, but anyway, so yeah, yeah, good weeks all around. Let's go ahead and and jump in. And so with the, I almost want to say like meteoric rise of like worship, almost worship culture in general. Worship meaning like the, the music, not just what. Worship truly means as far as CCM. all time spent bringing God glory. You got CCM, you have like Hillsong and Bethel and all of these things that are just, it seems in pretty recent years. Like you had people like, I mean, looking way back, you had like the Gaither Band or um, Keith Green and, and guys like that who were well known. But they didn't have this sort of influence or this sort of dominance over the Christian music industry that you see like. Again, Hillsong, Jesus Culture, Bethel Music, people like that having, where you have these very talented musicians who just kind of churn out worship music. And and so we're going to talk about like how that fits in with a biblical definition as, as far as worship music should go. And unfortunately, I think the majority of those those bands that I just named, while they are musically like they they can crank stuff out at a good rate. I, I'd equate them to, to pop music. Like, you know, there's not a whole lot of effort going into these songs musically, but they're good at what they do. And and they, they play well, and they're talented. But unfortunately, the reason I think they're so popular is because they don't really take any firm stances on anything. They're very bubblegummy, and they're very, very broad. Like, it's not that they neglect Christ or the cross or anything like that, but at the same time, they're they're putting out music that can be joined in on by almost any denomination without any sort of issue, which a lot of people would see as a victory. 
And the reason I'm hesitant to call it that is because in doing so, what you're doing is failing to take a stand on anything doctrinal or anything theological. And, and you're kind of just putting out this generic music that really doesn't talk about the God we're worshiping for who he is and doesn't really glorify him in the way I think the music should be. I don't know. You think that's too harsh of a statement or what, what are your thoughts? No, I, th- I think you're right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that I'm trying to think of what to add to that. Cause I think I, I probably tend to go even more harsh than you sometimes. And we both, we've talked before about how like there's times where we can be um, like our danger is usually becoming overly cynical um, when it comes to this issue in particular, because we're so. Um, our passion that, is theology. Our and passion so, is theology. And, and I think that that's the nature of, I think, a lot of um, people like us, like I would say like young Reformed people, we tend to um, be extremely cautious with with music and stuff and music tends to be the area at least it seems like with this kind of culture that's kind of taken hold music tends to be an area where theology is compromised on very easily in favor of things that are emotional or feeling based um that's not to say that you there's not a balance to be had there and that both can't be present but i think that the like groups like you were talking about jesus culture bethel Hillsong, those those are four of the really big ones to, or three, I guess, of the really big ones to hit on, um, where I think that they have, rather than try to find a balance, I think that they have sacrificed theology in favor of emotion-driven or feeling-based music. Exactly, and and again, they're not they're not mutually exclusive. Like you can have solid theology, and that solid theology should drive a strong emotion and a strong reaction. So it's not that emotion invoking in music is bad I, I think it should like, i think that's the point well that's yeah. what i was gonna bring up so psalm 16 by shane shane like shane shane i think are two guys so we'll throw out some recommendations here too i think are some two guys who do a fantastic job of lacing their music with rich theology and i think one of the reasons for that is you can tell what scriptures they're pulling from like they they take scripture and then they write their songs off of that instead of just writing a song and throwing in some some jesus they they take scripture and use that as their foundation and like they have their Psalms albums, which are just fantastic. If you haven't listened to it, especially Psalms volume two, I love. And so it has Psalm 16. They have a song they wrote out of Psalm 16, which is probably my favorite Psalm, but the bridge on that song, I don't think I've listened to it once and, and not been moved to tears, but it's rich. And I'm just going to read it really quick. It goes, my heart is glad and my soul rejoice. My flesh, it dwells secure because you put on flesh, lived a blameless life. My curse on the cross you bore. Then you ripped the doors off the city of death, and the chains fell through the floor. Now the serpent's crushed, it has been finished, and you reign forevermore. You are my portion, my cup, and you make my lot secure. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. A beautiful inheritance is mine. And like that's, that's straight out of Psalm 16 at the end there, with just the gospel thrown right there in the front. And like, and that's rich. And and the cool thing about that is, like all of all of my focus when I'm listening to that or when I'm singing that is on, yeah, this is what Christ has done. This is what he did. This is, this is why we're victorious because he was victorious. He's the one reigning. He's the portion. He's the cup. He's the one that we're delighting in here. Whereas I think a lot of, of those people we mentioned or a lot of just common worship music in general right now is, is more focused on, on that second half of 
you know, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places, um, kind of what I get out of it. And, and they tend to neglect what it is Christ has done and what it is God has done and why we're rejoicing. And so we tend to rejoice without knowing why, I would say, unfortunately. Yeah. And I do, I want to throw out there too, like we're not trying to bash these people. I do have pretty serious grievances with all three of those bands we mentioned, like Jesus Culture has some really, really weird theology. Hillsong, if you look at their pastor, he's gotten himself in some hot water. Now, to his credit, he's never really said what everyone accuses him of, but he's also never took in never, a yeah. firm stance on things, at least not while he's in an interview. Like, he'll take them afterwards, so he'll come back on Twitter after backlash or something and be like, oh, no, we believe this. But whenever he's on the spot, he never takes a super firm stance. And the same with Bethel. Bethel really, I think, probably takes the cake on just weird yeah. theological ideas. And For so, sure. and the problem is we, we, we take these songs and we go, oh yeah, these are good songs. I mean, yeah, they're not, they're not like amazing, but they're good. And nobody knows about this weird theology that goes on behind the scenes when that theology is influencing these songs that are being written. And so please don't hear me saying like, oh yeah, you have to be a hardcore reform person to be writing songs and then be okay. Shane, Shane, I'm pretty for their reform pretty sure they're reformed based off of some of their songs. David Crowder is a guy who I don't think is probably reformed, but I respect him. He writes solid music. He writes some fun songs too, but his worship songs are, are they're solid. They're focused on God. They're focused on his glory. And so, I mean, I, I, and I think that's where we probably start drifting apart, Mark, because I, I've been trying to get better about not setting the bar too high and hopefully haven't said too low in the process. Not that you are setting it too high by yeah. any means, but and I, I can I can give grace in a lot of those situations. Um, well, and my, there's a form too where it, it is an art form, and so there has to be some understanding of that. Like there is some poetry, there is symbolism. It's kind of like the picture that that comes out around Christmas time that everyone freaks out about and calls calls Pappas, <laughs> where you have yeah. Eve touching Mary's belly and Mary's stepping on the head of the serpent. It's like no, the imagery there is Christ is crushing the serpent's head, but everyone's like, oh, Mary's crushing it, and that's a Catholic thing. And so there does have to be some understanding. There is imagery and there is stuff like that in in music. But there's also wisdom. Yeah. Uh, so here, here's where my issue becomes, I think, stronger. And I think you'll agree with me on this, but I'm, I'm not totally sure. Um, my issue comes primarily when we're using these songs that may be okay as part of our corporate worship, when there are countless other options that would be a whole lot better. Just grab the Hymns of Grace hymnal. For real. That's literally the church that Lindsay and I are going to up here uses Hymns of Grace. Everything that they use comes out of there. And we didn't know that. We were familiar with Hymns of Grace and loved it already. And we went to church there the first time. And um, all the chairs had hymns of like copies of Hymns of Grace at it. And we were super excited to see that. And all the music that they, they sing and all all the stuff that they do comes out of Hymns of Grace. And, and I mean, there are great, some awesome stuff there. There are great songs that aren't in Hymns of Grace too. Like, oh, that's not a comprehensive sure. volume. But if you just no. want a safe, like here's some solid songs that you can pull from, grab that hymnal and use that. If you're a worship leader, would strongly encourage you getting your hands on a copy of that hymnal. Again, not necessarily as your limiter, but at least as a go-to to pull from. Yeah. So there's just yeah, there's a lot of songs that I don't know. Whenever I hear them in corporate, whenever I hear them in general, they can kind of rub me the wrong way. But especially in a corporate worship setting, where I don't know, it's just like I, I get that maybe this isn't like 
like they're not it's not heretical or anything right but at the same time it's like there's just so little here can't we do better like can't we find something that is going to draw us and focus us more on who god is and what he's done well that's where i would say too in the same way so i've I've mentioned jc ryle several times in the same way that in his his old treatise on preaching called simplicity and preaching jc ryle talks about the importance of the words that a pastor uses when he preaches I think there is as much importance in the words that are being sung as the worship leader is choosing the songs. And so yeah. I think I think that responsibility does fall, and I think that's a responsibility a lot of them tend to take for granted. Again, not all. If you're a worship leader, please don't hear me accusing you of that. Um, but I think it is a responsibility that can tend to be taken for granted of, of oh, well, this song is good, or this song sounds great, without really sitting down and vetting all the lyrics or thinking through, well, hey, I know what they're trying to say here, but maybe the people don't. So half the time, that would solve the problem. If you just throw an explanation out, like, just explain the song. Just go, hey, yeah. we're going to be singing. And it, it says this part right here. And when it says that, they're not meaning this, but this is actually what they're what we're singing. This is what we're affirming. Um, something like that, just where you can bring clarity, where we can bring cohesion in with everything else that's being taught within the church, cohesion in with scripture. That's yeah. what I think needs to be occurring. And that responsibility falls on whoever it is in charge of of selecting and placing these songs before the congregation for corporate worship. Yeah. So I want to bring up another question. Like, um, so we've talked about like, there's a few groups that we mentioned in particular that kind of have a more feeling based, um, musical center or the theology that comes out of those groups or is kind of behind that music can be really weird. But what, what do you think it is? Because my observation and my um, own experience with whenever I take issue with songs like these and ever bring that to light or whenever I'm having conversations with not everyone, but a lot of people, I'm told that I'm being overly critical or I'm being too cynical or I'm um, putting too much of a limit on it and these kinds of things. Like, why do you think we find it so easy um, to maybe put theology by the wayside in favor of emotion when specifically when it comes to worship music. Yeah. I have, I have two, two things to say that one is not an answer to your question. The second one is so I'll start with the, not an answer to your question. And that is that I've, I've learned and I'm sure you have too, that picking who I say those things to. And so like for me, if, if I know something theologically, I go to the guy in our oh, church sure. who's in charge of that. And I, I speak with him about it. And he is a guy who does take that, that charge seriously, that charge to have solid songs placed before the congregation. So whenever I approach him, he's, he's always open to listen. And maybe he'll have an insight that I wasn't thinking of, or maybe he'll throw in an explanation like I mentioned. Something like that occurs, though. And so I've, I've had a different experience there of not being shot down. On the flip side of that, anytime on, on, in a public fashion, I'm going to try this again because my words got all tied up there. Okay. Any any time in a public fashion that I have critiqued a song or, or exposed poor theology in a song, it has gotten that same kind of response you have. But that's the same thing that's happened when I've critiqued The Shack, when I've critiqued um, Jesus Calling by Sarah Young, any of those sorts yeah. of things. And so I, I don't think that the desire to set aside theology for the emotional is exclusively within worship. I think it tends to go a little a little more freely within gotcha. worship. Just because I think a lot of times when we're singing, again, because it is an emotional thing, we get caught up in it and we may not be actually focusing 100% on the words. And so, I, th- I think that, 
the root issue, though, the root issue is just our culture and our church culture's neglect of theology. And honestly, our church's neglect of teaching solid theology to its members. And so yeah. I, th- I think that's where where we see that that come out of. Um, does that answer your question at all? Yeah, no, and I think, I mean, I I agree with you that I think a big part of it is it se- it seems to be more free in worship or in singing because, like you said, that tends to be the moment that is, or the, the aspect of worship that is um, the most emotional just by its own nature. I mean, even when you're reading the Psalms or um, different songs or poems that are found throughout scripture, they tend to be very um, emotional compared to most other things that are written. And I think that's just just part of humanity. That's just part of how God's designed us. We're designed to respond emotionally to music. I mean, that's why life would be more epic with a background track. That's why they started putting (laughs) background tracks in movies because the music evokes emotion and it's meant to do that. That's a good and a healthy thing. The, the, The caution is we need to make sure that emotion is being evoked in a healthy manner towards God not towards not a, a false yeah. image of God or not towards a, a focus on ourselves, which a lot of modern worship songs tend to do. So now, I, I mean, I'll also say um, my uh, previous worship pastor back in Illinois was the first person who really kind of um, pushed, like got me thinking and, and mentioned, cause he, he was very, I told him at one point that he's the reason that I didn't go like exclusive psalmody. Like he started introducing songs that were solid theologically and re- really good musically. And and I'm glad um, he did that because you miss out on so much richness when you go EP. Oh, for sure. For sure. I agree with that. That said, uh, EP the, is at, probably safer than 90% of church's forms of corporate yeah, worship. And that was, that was my thing was I was just getting super fed up with the way worship was happening. Um, but when he, when he started there and everything, it, I think took a, a change in, in a good way. And, um, I remember talking with him at one point though, about worship music and he, like, I've known him too. I mean, he's, he's chosen not to do songs based on one or two lines in the songs that he just disagreed with. So he wasn't going to use them. Um, I've known him to change the lyrics to songs. I was going to say, you can change make it better. Yeah. Um, and I've known him to, even if he doesn't change lyrics to clarify things before or after, um, so that the church had to understand like he was, he was phenomenal at doing those things and making sure that even though it could be emotional, um, theology was, was driving our worship and, and and it was a, um, attitude towards God that was driving our worship. He was fantastic at that, but he, he kind of submitted to me once that, and I know it wasn't original to him. He had somebody challenge him with it, but essentially saying that as, as a worship pastor in corporate worship, not every song that is done has to be super theologically deep and it's okay to have music that maybe is um less deep or less um complex because sometimes that's what people need oh and, 100% yeah. and i think that's where a lot of reform guys start to trip up is we want everything that's super deep and I still super struggle rich. with that yeah and and I, I still that's not necessary that sure. we need theologically sound theologically accurate but not theologically deep necessarily now if we're losing that deepness if we're never implementing that deepness then i think there's an issue if we're only feeding milk but to have it in there is not bad by any means um yeah for sure 
And I had so. a, I had a lot of respect for the way that um, Pastor Justin organized the music throughout the service because he had a very intentional like at the start we're going to do songs that are maybe less intense because it's kind of the entry people are sometimes still coming into the room like he he had a whole thought process through why he did certain songs at certain times um he always wanted to have a certain flow to the to the worship and his um like the after the service sermon whenever there was a time of like response or or a song afterwards he was super intentional to tie it into the message and make it a song of response it was it was never just um basic singing it was always something to that responded to um, what was being preached, which was really, really cool to, to yeah. see. Yeah, I'd I learned a lot another, about worship from him. <laughs> that's awesome. I'd say that is another key aspect and a key role of the worship leaders. The worship leader and the pastor should always be at working in tandem with each other to make sure it's 100%. the same message. Yeah. Um, two things I want to throw out here. One is that it was, it was John Piper, so you mentioned that your worship pastor is the one that kind of got you thinking about this. It was John Piper that actually got me thinking about it because he said one time he heard this song, and I can't think of the title of the song, but it's a song that goes, um, Like a rose trampled on the ground, you took the fall and thought of me above all. And it was a really popular song probably about 10, 10 15 years ago. I remember singing it in church. I remember really loving that song. And Piper brought up, he's like, you know, it's it's got great music. It's moving people to tears. He goes, but there's an issue there. Christ was not thinking of me above all. Was he thinking of me? Yes. Oh, yes, he was thinking of me. He loved me. But he was thinking of his glory. He was thinking of his father above all. And people, you bring up stuff like that, and that's where you get the pushback of, oh, you're just being too nitpicky. I don't think so in that instance. Um, yeah. But the, the second thing playing off of that is, is a caution here, of which we've already mentioned. Don't be too nitpicky, because you'll find an issue with any song. Uh, Christ Alone by Stuart Townend. Yep. Which is a fantastic song. You you could pick apart if you don't actually like keep in context what's being sung there because it has the line, and every sin on him was laid. Yeah, and and so if you see that and you're like, oh, well, that doesn't line up with the reformed ideal of limited atonement. You can start picking apart that song, and you got to keep in mind there. This is a song meant for the church. This is a song meant for believers, and every every sin of the believers was laid on Christ. And so don't don't go witch hunting. And I would say. Be prepared to actually think through who the intended audience is, what's actually being said, and, and perhaps what the intention of the artist who wrote the song was. So like a guy like Stuart Townsend, who is just a fantastic, fantastic hymn writer, who we, we know that he's theologically sound, we know he's good. You have to take a step back and go, okay, let me see. Should I be giving grace here instead of trying to pick this apart? Yeah, for and sure. So I, I would say definitely be ready to give grace. Don't be afraid, though to point out that a song is maybe not theologically up to snuff because like Mark and I both said, there's a lot of pushback that comes against that. And we need people who are diligently watching and saying, Hey, there, there might be an issue with this line. Like Holy spirit is the song that, that irks me every time. Cause it's the, <laughs> it, it's all, it's almost all about emotion. And I mean, the, the bridge is let us experience this thing. Um, and then just the whole thought of Holy spirit, you're welcome here is a very, um, I, I I hope I'm not overstepping here by saying this, but a very unbiblical thought. And it comes out of the whole idea that we don't have an indwelling Holy Spirit only, but also we're going to get washed over in more power by the Holy Spirit like you saw back at Pentecost. And I, I don't think that's a biblical ideal that we're going to get added measures of the Holy Spirit because we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We don't need to welcome him in. We've been 
given him as a helpmate, as as the 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 helper that Christ promised. And so, just that that whole idea of oh, you need to welcome him in, but it's still it's such a musically well done song that a lot of people love it, and you try to push back against something like that, and you get a lot of flack for it. Yeah. So maybe I shouldn't have called out a, a popular <laughs> song now, but yeah, it is what it is. If you hate uh, us, no, you can I, stop listening. Yeah, um, but please don't. We need you. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, there's man, it's so easy to like. It, it is really easy to pick apart songs, and there, there's songs that I love that there's lines that I don't agree with or, or think that maybe weren't thought out well. The first, see, you went to. And go, going back to In Christ Alone, you brought up the, um, and every sin on him was laid, that line. Um, and I agree with you on that, that like if, if you took that and overanalyzed it and, and thought through it too much, you do get to that place. But the first one I was ever made aware of or thought about was um, in the fourth verse when it starts with no guilt in life. And it's like, well, we're still... Um, there is still guilt for our sin. It was a professor at um, Mobap who brought that up to me and was like, it's, he was talking about how, you know, the justification that we receive in Christ um, doesn't, even, even though we appear as guiltless, it doesn't make us um, free of guilt, especially on earth in the sense of, yes, we can, we have repentance and we have confidence and, um, peace and, and the justification we receive through Christ. But at the same time, we are still, we should still feel guilt for our sin because feel we're guilt, still yes, sinning but we don't have a guilty record held against us anymore, which is what they're saying in the song, I would argue. Sure. And that, but that's kind I'm of my point. I'm curious which professor this was because I think I know. That was Doc. Oh, that's not who I thought it was. Yeah. Um, but I can see that. <laughs> yeah. So, it, I mean, it was... Again, you can overanalyze it to that point very easily, um, but that shouldn't become a, um, in those moments where we can give grace, where it's something where, um, yeah, I, I don't want to just sit here and reiterate what you've already said, because you kind of covered it pretty well, but I, I think that we, and, and I'm guilty of this, needing to give grace more often than I, than I do. Um, it can be very easy for me to jump on something and become very critical of it. So yeah. uh, and I, I, I want to throw out there too, just as a final thing, like as someone who has written music and still writes music occasionally, there is a vast difference between the stuff I write now, mainly because most of it probably wouldn't be worship music anymore. <laughs> um, but when I do write something more worshipful now, it, there's, there's a, a vast difference between how much attention I put into theology than there was when I started out. Because when I started writing music and stuff, I was not reformed and I did not care a whole lot about theology. And and so I just went to other, like, the hearts of these people we're talking about may be in the right place, but the end result is harmful for both them and the people who are singing these songs and enjoying these songs. And so this is not an attempt to demonize these people or go, oh, they're intentionally putting out theologically sure. poor songs. It's we as a church need to be careful what we're consuming and what we're affirming. And so I don't I don't want us to sound like we're attacking anybody or demonizing anybody. And by all means, please don't listen to this podcast and then go to your worship pastor and be like, hey, these two idiots on this podcast said this. <laughs> like, Yeah, don't do that. You, you, again, use wisdom. Show grace. Um, 
But if, it's if there's if there's something being used in your corporate worship that is genuinely bothersome to you, then talk to your pastors about it. Um, yes, and please talk to your pastors and not anyone else. Yeah, and uh, approach it humbly. Like figure out why they do things the way they do. And that's usually they, a good way to go into it. Is not going into it going, "Hey, this this is wrong theologically." Look here and here, and this doesn't line up with these verses or these verses or this doctrine. It's usually better going to go, "Hey, we sang this song and." I was kind of wondering why you picked this song because when I heard this one line, it it made me think this: is that what is that what you believe? Is that what the song's saying? Am I hearing it wrong? Taking a more a more humble and a more gracious approach is is definitely yeah. much better. And it, it'll yeah, be much sure. better received. You'll get your 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 point across much better if you're not being an attack dog or a cage stager. So yeah, for sure. Quick favorite um favorite hymn. Favorite hymn. Ooh, that's a tough one. I think Hold Me Fast. I think I have to go with Hold Me Fast. <laughs> that one's mine, too. <laughs> like, that. that is just fantastic. I, I would say I would pick another, but I don't think I can, other than uh, Smitten, Stricken, and Afflicted. That or one's Stricken, good Smitten, too. and Afflicted. That's it. Stricken, Smitten, and Afflicted. That one um, also gets me yeah. More Love to Thee by Fernando Ortega. There's another great guy who has some, some great hymns. It's Fernando Ortega, and the dude can play yeah. a piano like a boss. So, and he's yeah. got a voice uh, like an angel. <laughs> but... Yes, yeah, Oh, the Gettys are fantastic. Yeah, I'm trying to Shane and Shane already mentioned them. We'll we'll put like in the Facebook group. We'll make like a thread of like solid worship leaders. Just for and if we think to you're wrong, we'll delete your comment. Yeah, I mean we can just you know we can censor it because it's our group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah, he will hold we, me we fast. One of my favorites for sure. Uh, behold, yeah. uh, behold the Lamb of God Be- is really really oh. good. I was just thinking, Behold Our God, that's another really oh, good one. Oh, that's what I meant. That That's actually the one I meant. Behold Our God. Yeah. Yes. That that one's fantastic. Yeah, there's just there's so many great ones So out many there. good songs. Dustin Kensrue's got some great stuff. He's got some really freaking weird music, too. But he's got some <laughs> great stuff. Like, holy crap, what's the one that what's the one that we did at my wedding, dude? I should know this. Grace uh, Alone. Grace Alone. Yeah. That song is amazing. Yeah, it was really good. So, yeah, we're doing Hold Me Fast this Sunday. I'm excited for that. Nice. But anyway, so there's our thoughts on modern worship culture and what a more biblical worship culture would potentially look like. And again, using the word worship in the American sense of the word, not necessarily yeah. the biblical sense of all Specifically of worship music. that is prayer and, and preaching and teaching and all of those good things. Yeah. So with that, let's go ahead and get into the topic that you definitely are more qualified than me to talk about. <laughs> And that is going to be Avengers versus Suicide Squad, right? <laughs> okay, so there we go. We can do Avengers and Justice League and then Defenders and Suicide Squad. That's probably a more fair fight. Defenders can take anyone on. Um, the Defenders. They got, they got my girl, Jesse Jones, and my boy, Luke Cage. Jesse Jones. We're good. Kristen Ritter's my spirit animal. What can I say? <laughs> so weird, dude. So You're weird. the one who said it, but... Did I say that originally? Yes, that was you. Huh. After watching Jessica Jones and then Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, you were like, if you mix those two characters together, that's me. So, huh. it just kind of depends on the day. Anyway, Avengers versus Justice League. I don't even know who all's in the Justice League. I know you got Aquaman and Wonder Woman and Batman and Superman. Yeah, so, else? I mean, so are we talking like the cinematic Avengers I don't know. cinematic Justice League? Or like I the actual know. Justice League. I have no clue because I don't know the difference. I don't read comics. Y'all <laughs> can hate me now. 
I would like to. I've just never spent the money on them. I do enjoy them if I get my hands on them. All right, so... Also, throwing this out really quick before we get into this, we have a lot of requests to talk about anime. I am never watching anime, so that's not going to happen. Sorry, guys. Love y'all. Not going to happen. All right, here's what we can do there, then. I'll do, like... Because I've watched a very limited amount of anime. I do enjoy it. I just don't always take the time to actually sit down and watch through an anime. And what's this Pokemon anime? No, that's not true. Um, I was asking. I'll... I didn't say it was. I asked. Oh, is Pokemon anime? Yeah. Uh, I I think technically. I think it would I technically be considered anime. I can talk about Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Old school Pokemon, not this new crap where they got all these weird things. <laughs> they can I, just stop getting I, creative with the names. I think it would technically be anime but um my wife likes anime really interesting yeah could you just have her guest star replace me yeah we can do that she's gonna want to talk with you for an hour straight (laughs) (laughs) i think i don't know that i've ever had a conversation if they had to talk with either of us for an hour straight oh for sure and we know for a fact Lindsay would because that's happened oh yeah Lindsay can't take longer than like 10 minutes alone with me yeah so um, Actually, I feel like I'm a lot tamer when it's just me and her than I am with you. You hype me up. Oh, boy. That's not something I like. That you told. hype me up? Yeah, that's weird. You just get me all hyper. So, <clears throat> Kyle, we can't play right now. We're doing a podcast. Does Kyle want us to play? He wants us to play Siege. Uh, I didn't even so, see. All right. Hope, hopefully you'll hear this. Anyway, okay, so which Justice League are we doing and which Avengers are we doing? You gotta tell me. Right, so this... <laughs> um, we'll do just to make it more fair we'll do original Justice League but we'll do cinematic Avengers because original Avengers was only five people um, and only three of them are like actual cinematic Avengers currently so like, like Daredevil and sure. Deadpool and Logan my boy no, so, like, if you were to take the, so, ju- the original, like, Justice League is um, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Aquaman, and Martian Manhunter. And Wait, then, what? <laughs> you don't even know who Martian Manhunter is, do you? No, I know who that is. I was saying what oh. to the lineup again, because I was messaging Kyle. Oh, the, ori- the original <laughs> Justice League members were Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Aquaman, and Martian Manhunter. Okay. And our and cinematic, so, like, I don't even know what our cinematic is. It's all kind of torn apart right now. See, that's what I'm going for. Like, I'm trying to think through, like, the cinematic, like, the first Avengers movie. We need the next movie to be out. We need Infinity War to start, because I think they're all getting back together in that one. Yeah, there's a bajillion of them at that point. I'm thinking, like, so what you got? Are you going back to, like, Hulk, Thor? You've got Hulk, Thor, uh, Iron Man, Captain America. Hawkeye. Um, Hawkeye, Black, Black Widow. Widow. So no Spider-Man in this lineup, then? No Spider-Man, no. Because Spidey makes all the difference. <laughs> I don't think that's the case either in this. So here, here's my thing. Like, Isn't Martian Manhunter, like, stupid OP, though? Uh, Martian Manhunter is, like, Superman with more powers, but also a dumber weakness. <laughs> so I mean, they got, got Superman, so I'm pretty sure Justice League already wins. Well, so here's the thing: like that's that's what it really comes down to is Justice League and 
Avengers are different in that there are more actual superheroes in Justice League, like people with superhuman abilities. I say at so, the end of the day, it comes down to Superman versus Hulk. And that's that's kind of where the argument tends to go a lot, is Superman versus Hulk. And essentially, they're locked in an epic battle that doesn't end, right? Like they're, they're Unless... Unless we get the Hulk kryptonite armor. Oh, sure. But, I mean, at that, if you want to say that, all you have to do is have Superman grab the Hulk and just fly him into the yellow sun. What other color sun is there? The, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you really have never read a comic book, have you? I've definitely never read a DC one, no. Superman comes from a red sun galaxy or solar system that's why he has superpowers on earth is because of the yellow sun so if we painted the sun purple superman goes down so new plan (laughs) spider-man paints the sun purple wait a minute so when the sun is down how does superman still have powers there's still effects from the sun on the earth dummy but he's not getting direct sunlight so he's like he doesn't have to have direct sunlight he's living on a world that is built on yellow the yellow sun. I don't think so. I think it's built on the backs of the Egyptians. They're the ones that started the pyramids. <laughs> oh, dude, this conversation's going <laughs> so all over the place. <laughs> it's because I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> oh, okay. So he comes from the red sun. Is there a galaxy with purple suns? Because that'd be sweet. I like purple. I don't know if there's a galaxy with purple suns. Isn't Martian Manhunter purple? Martian Manhunter is like a greenish color. So all he, I think is when I, hear Martian, so. when I hear Martian Manhunter... Oh, yeah, yeah, he's an Injustice, I'm pretty sure. All I think of when he I is. hear Martian Manhunter is the little green Martian dude from Looney Tunes. Marvin the Martian, or whatever his name is. Oh. <laughs> like, that's what I keep picturing in my head. I want Martian Manhunter to just permanently shapeshift into that form. That that would just be awesome. That would be interesting, for sure. So, okay, so if they fight... Basically, we, we've gotten already in, in two seconds with my limited knowledge to where it ends, which is Hulk versus Superman. Yeah, because, and the, the, the thing even with that is, ultimately, Hulk would end up being teamed up on because you have enough um, power within Justice League that it, it just, I, I don't think it would be I got a it. I got it. I got it figured out. This is the strat for the Avengers. Oh Thor zaps Aquaman. He explodes into a big ball of water and electrocutes <laughs> everyone else. Superman is left. And then Hulk sits on Superman for the rest of his life. <laughs> That's an interesting concept. I don't or, understand how it Or, really since Thor out. is a god, Thor takes the yellow sun away, brings back a red sun, and then they win. Okay, see, Thor is not a god, though. He is perceived as a god on Earth because he is so powerful compared to How about that? Humans. How about we bring in the Norse gods? Like the actual Norse gods, not, not the actual Norse gods against the Avengers and the Justice League. Oh my! We need to and, put like a disclaimer at the beginning of the of this conversation for anyone who actually wants to hear a Justice League versus Avengers conversation. Just be like, just so you know, this isn't going to actually happen here. I don't know what to have. Like, we already we already boiled down to the end. What else is there to discuss? Like, that's true. I. So Iron Man and Batman are both techie. We can admit that Bruce Wayne is better at that, though. Like, if he had the resources that Tony Stark had, he would have even better equipment. EMP, Tony Stark's done. 
Yeah. So, like, that that's not hard. Batman beats him out. Wonder Woman and Black Widow, because they're the chicks, will have them fight. And Wonder well, Woman's arguably almost as strong as Superman, so... And she beats out Black Widow easy. Um, You got... Who else did we have? Captain America. Cap will put up a heck of a fight, but he'll go down. Cap will probably hear that Batman doesn't kill people and just join his team. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could see that. So, now we got, now we got Captain on the Justice League. <laughs> So that leaves us with Hawkeye, who, let's be honest, what's Hawkeye do other than shoot cool arrows? Hawkeye is going to get played around with by Flash. Flash is just going to mess with him. And he'll get super ticked off and just go home. (laughs) see. Who else do we got? Are we out of Avengers already? (laughs) Pretty much. We got Hulk. So like you said, we got all of the Justice League plus Cap teaming up on Hulk now. Oh, Thor's still out there. Thor's still flying around with a special hammer. I mean, Martian Manhunter can... Or green, freaking Green Lantern's ridiculously powerful. Literally, his limits are his imagination. Anything he can think, the ring can do. So, Can it make him invisible? I don't know if it ever has made him invisible. If he throws it in the fires of Mount Doom, what happens? <laughs> so, so, Sauron, so, people may not be getting the nerdy conversation they want, but they are getting <laughs> a nerdy conversation. We're just going to cover every aspect here. We're just going to throw it all out. Oh, it may not be uh, the one you were hoping for, but I promise to deliver on the nerdiness. <laughs> so here, here's my thing. I, I've had this conversation. Gandalf with the Gray comes in. Oh my goodness! No, let's go with Gandalf the White. Gandalf the White comes in with a Balrog, and they fight the Defenders. Fight the Defenders? Yeah, I'm done with this whole Avengers Justice League thing. <laughs> what was your question? You're going to ask something about that. Go back to that really quick. No, I was gonna like I was just gonna say that like I've had that conversation this conversation Justice League versus Avengers before. So I stand for, for nerdy people listening for what it's worth, and we can argue we can talk about this in Facebook group, that'd be fun. Um I stand adamantly on Justice League beating the Avengers in a fight. However, for what it's worth, I bring my boy Deadpool and my boy Logan and we'll kick anyone you throw at us. So I will say that in the whole, like, the conversation where you get into, like, all of Marvel versus all of DC, Marvel wins that fight because Stanley and company made a lot of super OP characters. <laughs> like Wilson Fisk. <laughs> yeah. Wilson <laughs> Fisk is going to go take on the entire Marvel universe. By, he would try. DC universe by himself. So. He would try. Let me get the Punisher, too. Give me Frank Castle, Deadpool, and Logan. And Jessica Jones. That, that's your super team? That's my super team. Okay. Because they have no inhibitions. They'll kill anything you throw at me. <laughs> so, hold on. You said Logan... Deadpool, Jesse Jones, and Frank Castle. Okay. So, here's my, my game plan. Deadpool... And Logan just run around slashing the crap out of everything. Jesse stands like a hundred miles away throwing cars at them. And then Castle's on the other side a hundred miles away just sniping everybody. Okay. Game over. So I'm gonna bring I'm gonna go with um Well see now I'm, you know my team, you're gonna pick people to counter them. No, see I'm gonna go with the Joker just because he and Deadpool can just hang out and have fun and Joke around a bunch because they would just 
they'd stop doing anything and just go like pull pranks on people that would most likely kill them. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so at the end of the scenario, what we're getting is we have the same Superman versus Hulk, except for Deadpool and Joker have teamed up and wiped out the rest of our teams. <laughs> oh man, yeah, pretty much. You got three more. Who else you got? <laughs> I've got three more. Um, yeah, because Castle's already shot the Joker. <laughs> well, the so the the cheap one is to go with Doomsday. Yeah, no, that's not fair. You can't do that. Because I do enough to know that doesn't work. Stronger than he he comes back stronger than whoever was that killed him. So, um. Man, now I'm just trying to think of, like... You can bring Doomsday, I'll tell him, don't kill him. Never mind, with that crew, they're not going to not kill him. I was going to say, have him not kill him, just incapacitate him. But I know it would happen. They would kill him. <laughs> they would kill him. Deadpool would kill him on accident. Deadpool would kill him. <laughs> uh... You can have Deadshot go fight Frank Castle. I think Deadshot would win that one. Like as oh, yeah. much as I like the Punisher, as much as I like Frank Castle, Deadshot yeah, would Dead, just Deadshot's a beast. I'd like to see Deadshot and Deadpool fight. That would be fun. Yeah, see, like that's Deadpool was the their kind of like iteration of Deadshot. Yeah. I think that I think Deadshot came first. There, there's a lot of like similarities, but strictly because, because he can regenerate. He can regenerate. Yes, <laughs> strictly because of regeneration. That's the thing, like, Deadpool obviously is a good fighter, but he's nonchalant because he doesn't care, because even if he gets hurt, he just heals. Well, and that's the thing with, which, I mean, I guess Logan's aren't as strong, but that's the thing with both with both Wolverine and Deadpool, is they both regenerate. Yeah. Now, see, when you say you're bringing Logan, are you bringing, like, Wolverine bring... in his prime, or are you bringing super old, no, almost Wolverine dead Logan? No, Wolverine prime, I just keep saying Logan, because that's the last movie I watched. <laughs> So that's what I'm saying, like, dead honest, until you get into the OP people, like, I'm still convinced that Wolverine and Deadpool together could wreck pretty much anyone they met because of the fact they're both superior fighters and they both regenerate. Yeah. So. Now you get into, like, some more overpowered people where you give them the right tools and they can shut them down. But. I mean, the the ace up the sleeve of Marvel is just the Phoenix, ultimately. Bring in the X-Men timeline and you have Jean Grey. Yeah, that's true too. That's so. what, like whenever if you talk like Justice League versus Marvel as a whole, Doomsday is your biggest issue with from the DC side. Like if you kill him, he's going to come back stronger. So what you do is you just let Jean Grey or the Phoenix trap Doomsday in his own brain and make him go nuts. I like it. He's just incapacitated and can't do anything. Yeah. So really quick here before we run out of time, because we said we'd cover it: Defenders versus Suicide Squad. Defenders. So we have. We have Iron Fist, Daredevil. Is is Punisher technically a, a defender? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Luke Cage and Jessica Jones up against Harley Quinn. Dead is shot. his name Diablo? What's his name? Diablo. Yeah. El Diablo. Diablo. Um, Killer Croc. Deadshot. And there's one more, isn't there? Uh, I'm trying to... You got Killer Croc. And yeah, then... Killer Croc. Who is the crazy Aussie? Oh, right. I can't even think of his name. That's terrible. Anyway, that guy. 
Yeah, that I guy. think your main issue at the end of the day is going to be Deadshot because I feel like Deadshot probably has some round up his butt that'll go through Luke Skin's or Luke Cage's skin. Like Daredevil and Luke Cage are going to have a good run for their money. Jessica Jones, honestly, as much as I love her, especially she's, if we're going with from the Netflix series, she's just not all that strong. Like she's she's very strong, but she has no fighting experience. Yeah, no, she she fights like she's in a bar fight all the time. <laughs> Exactly. And so, like, she'd probably just get shot really quickly because she'd run a dead shot or something. Or Harley Quinn. Oh, it's Captain Boomerang. How do we forget Captain Boomerang? I don't know because he has a freaking boomerang. (laughs) But yeah, I think honestly, dead honest, as much as I hate to admit it, I think at the end of the day, Suicide Squad wins. Yeah, I think so too. So, all right, if you guys have disagreements or want to get into arguments over this, go ahead and. If you somehow followed that whole conversation. Yeah, if you've made it this far, we need to give you some sort of prize. Like, I'm pretty Don't sure... Don't promise that. Don't promise I'm, prizes. <laughs> I didn't say we are going to. I said we should. We're not yeah, going to. We won't. I just said but we, we should. should. You've um, earned it. You you did. You earned it fair and square, but you don't get one. So, welcome to life. <laughs> but <laughs> We're going to be great dads. Oh, yeah. So, like, 90% of our listeners stopped listening about 30 minutes ago when I brought up Purple Suns. But... <laughs> Anyway, if you've made it this far, we appreciate you guys. We will catch you guys next week. Look forward to hearing from you. Make sure you hit us up on the Facebook group at Error204Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Error204Podcast. Email us at Error204Podcast at gmail.com. That's a lot of freaking Error204Podcasts. And then if you if you like the podcast, drop us a rate on iTunes. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, and we will catch up with y'all. Thanks again. Bye. Bye.